Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Wherever we come from, we all came the same way. We all entered in the same way. We all bowed the knee at the same place. We all came via the cross of Christ. And that's, that's the thing that unites us. And so when I consider the world in which we live, because we learned earlier that the people that are there from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, God is saving someone from everywhere. And, and they're absolutely unified in this. We've all come the same way. We all worship the same King. Did you know that in Christ, you are united with fellow believers all across the globe? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, he teaches you about the unity that believers have with one another. When you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you enter into the kingdom of God. This means that you're given a family made up of people from all different types of tribes and tongues. Pastor Bill explains to you what an incredible gift this is. You're united with brothers and sisters through Christ. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 15 as he begins his message, Victory in the Midst of Chaos. We're going to cover Revelation 15 verses 1 through 8. The title of the message is Victory in the Midst of Chaos. And if I could just kind of set the stage for you guys Last week we were in Revelation 14 and, you know, it's the end of all things. Jesus is stuck in the sickle. He's reaping the earth. Chapter 15, what it does is kind of, it takes us back and it's going to give us more detail of the judgments of God. And chapter 15 is a prelude to the final judgment. So the the last judgments that are coming are going to be the bowl judgments. The first judgments we saw in the during the tribulation period were the seal judgments. And then after that, we saw the trumpet judgments. And now we have this little prelude. We're going to see a group of believers that are having victory in the midst of chaos. And then we're going to get the final judgments and it's all going to come to an end. And one thing I will say is this, for those that are frustrated about issues of justice, we have a just God who will ultimately bring everything and everyone to justice. I believe one of the tricks of the enemy, though, is to get people to look at someone else's sins and forget that we got our own issue to deal with. You know, I can I can watch enough videos to be polarized with the fact that I can't believe they're doing that. And yet at the end of the day, when I die, I die alone. And Hebrews 9, 27 said, there's appointed a man wants to die. And after this, the judgment. And I got to give an account for this life. And have I received Jesus? Are my sins forgiven? Everybody's going to deal with it. Everybody's going to give account. Nobody's getting away with anything, you guys. God sees everything. He sees every wrong thing, but he also sees all the wrong in your life and in my life. And so, you know, we could get so fixated on what, uh, what others are doing or what seems to be happening out there that we forget, I got to stand before God myself. And something that happens when you stand before God yourself, when you come to the feet of the cross for your own sins is, there's an awareness of your unworthiness, your unholiness, how, how you are not worthy in and of yourself and that we need Jesus. And so look at now Revelation chapter 15 and just think this through with me. Is, is there any area in your life today where you need a victory? Is it possible that you can be victorious with all the chaos that's going on around us? Um, can we walk in victory in the midst of 
this coronavirus pandemic and racial injustice and lawlessness and riots, is it possible that in the midst of all that we could have victory? I'm going to assure you that if the people we look at today can have victory in the midst of the tribulation period, which is worse than anything we're dealing with, because the Bible says this is the worst period on earth ever. Never has been anything this bad before, never be anything this bad after it. If they can be victorious in the midst of this, we, through the power of the Spirit of God and with the help of Jesus Christ, can be victorious in the midst of what we're dealing with as well. So look at chapter 15, verse 1. It says, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And so John is, is the writer of the book of Revelation. God's unveiling to us the person of Jesus Christ like never before. And he sees a sign in heaven. It was great and marvelous. There were seven angels he saw, and they had the seven last plagues. For in them the wrath of God is complete. This is how we know we're at the end of the tribulation period. God's wrath has been being poured out. And it, this is in these last judgments, the wrath of God is going to be complete. His the, the tribulation period, the, the judgment of God upon the earth is going to be complete. And so for you guys that are unaware, at the end of the tribulation period, when he wraps this up, those that have died as believers are in heaven. Those that have, that have died, you know, that weren't saved are, are already in torment. And everybody else, there's a final judgment. We'll come to that later in Revelation chapter 20, where, where things come to a finality, where Everybody that's going to be in heaven is in heaven. Everybody's going to be in the lake of fire is in the lake of fire. And there's a new heaven and a new earth. And there's no coming back from that point. So we're, we're almost to the end now is what we're learning here in Revelation chapter 15. And so, and, but this is important. It says the wrath of God is going to be complete. I want to explain this. God's wrath, for those of us that have been following the book of Revelation, we, we understand God's wrath is not a joke. It's not a small thing. God's wrath is, is strong. It's powerful. It's, it's, you know, it's an awesome thing, and it's not something that we want to fall under. I don't want to be under the wrath of God. And thank the Lord for every believer, every person here that's born again in the Spirit of God, that, that God's wrath that you deserved and I deserve, Jesus paid on the cross for us. I deserve wrath. I should be in the book. I should be going through these things, but I won't, you won't, that have believed, that have put your trust and faith in Jesus. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. When Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, if there's any way for this cup to pass, you know, nevertheless, your will be done. He was saying, God, there's a way for me to, a way for them to be saved without me drinking the cup, this cup, taking your, you know, your wrath upon me. God, you know, he, he, he obeyed and he went to the cross on our behalf. And so then we are, we are delivered. We're delivered from the wrath of God. We're delivered from the judgment of God. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. And so, but for these that are left on the earth, the church has been raptured. There are, you know, people, Jews that have, people that have gotten saved during the tribulation period, tribulation saints, they're dying for their faith. But you have a number of people that are on the earth that still are refusing to bow the knee. They will not receive Jesus as Lord. Verse 2. And those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having the harps of God, having harps of God. So John sees an amazing thing here. He says, in the midst of this chaos, we're in the tribulation period. We're, we're seeing all kind of tragedy and disaster go forth. He says, but in the midst of it, 
you know, I, I saw the seven angels coming out with the seven last plagues. Then I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. We talked earlier about the, the sea of glass, but here's mingled with fire. Fire is typically a sign of judgment. You know, we saw last week the angel that had charge over the fire and he was sent forth to go and bring his judgments on the earth. And so there's a sea of glass, something like a sea of glass that's mingled with fire. And then he says, I saw those who have the victory. I understand that those that are having the victory during the tribulation period are the tribulation saints. And I just want to speak on it for a minute. How do, how do you endure this? They're, they're living at a time where it's not a bad government. Satan is the president, if you will. Satan is, there's an antichrist. The, the whole world system is not just, we're not just suspecting that they're evil. We know based on the scripture that there is Satan is embodied in these people and he's running the show. You can't have a more wicked government than to have Satan himself and his little posse. We talked about the unholy trinity, the, you know, Satan, the, you know, the antichrist of the beast and the false prophet. They're there all working together to just to bring Satan's agenda to fruition on the earth. That's who's in charge. How do you live through that as a believer? How do you, how do you stay faithful to God in the midst of that? Well, that's what the tribulation saints have done. They live under the fear of death, almost a promise of death. Uh, they know that they will die for their faith. They have not taken the mark of the beast, legitimately buy or sell. They're living in a very difficult environment. If you want to talk about oppression, consider the oppression of being in an environment where everything and everyone is against you, except a handful of other people that believe what you believe. They're truly the minority, truly the, the oppressed, truly they have no help but in God. Look at the list of people they're victorious over. It says those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, over his mark, and over the number of his name. I'm going to come back to each one of those things in just a moment, but it's a complete victory. They didn't have a little bit of victory. They said we didn't, they didn't have victory over the, the beast, but then struggle with the mark. They didn't have victory over the mark and the beast, but then struggle with the image of his name. They, they have victory over each thing on the list. And I want us to understand this. Christ, we too completely victorious. The Jesus didn't die on the cross, you guys, to, to get you almost a win. It's he, he died on the cross and rose from the grave that we would be completely victorious. We precede that we're seeing a group in the future. This is a prophetic book about a group that's to come. We precede them. We're in a better situation than them right now. We have the Holy Spirit. We're part of the church of Jesus Christ. If you're born again, we have access, you know, all day in and out to the Lord. We got time to read the Bible. We, though our world is wicked, it's not as wicked as this is. And so it's encouraging to me to read this. If they can have victory there, I know we can have victory right now. Amen. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And why does it say it that way? Because it could just say you're a conqueror through Christ, but it says, no, you're more than conquerors. It's emphatic. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than conquerors through him who loved us. We'll talk a little bit about how they got this victory. And I want to talk to us about how we get our victory. Then I want to go back through and look at each of the victories that they got. How did they get the victory that they got? If you're a note taker, Write down Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And it says this in 12, 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Show you a similarity in, 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 in how we're to have victory pre-tribulation, before the tribulation starts. But the three things, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. That's our victory. 
well. Amen. The blood of Jesus that washes away our sins. Um, that is our victory. So we enter into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is our victory through the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. For them, this is the word of their testimony, their testimony of who Christ is to them, what he did for them. Every believer should have a testimony. And testimony doesn't mean I smoked crack, I did drugs, I murdered folk, and then I got saved. That, that could be a testimony, but a testimony, however it ends up, the end of a testimony is this, I came to faith in Christ who loved me and died for me. And if you've never had a ratchet life, but you came to faith in Jesus, that's the testimony that saves you, that I believed in Jesus that he died for my sins, he rose from the grave, and that there's no way to heaven except through him, and I've, I've embraced it with all my heart. Through the blood of the lamb, the word of his testimony, the last thing it says is important, and they did not love their lives to the death. That's so important. The, the, they have victory through the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, but there's something about the laying down of our life in order to have victory in Christ. Jesus, his, his entry point for discipleship was this. You got to die to yourself daily, pick up your cross, and follow me. In other words, if you can't pick up your cross and die every single day, you're not going to be able to follow me. You, you won't even be able to get going with me. You got to die daily. That's how you get going in a walk with the Lord. And so that was how they had victory. If you're, again, if you're taking notes, also write down Acts chapter 20, verse 24. You guys know the Apostle Paul is one of my favorite guys. He's one of the people that I read and he just inspires me. You know, just, he was a guy that went hard. He went hard in sin. And then he got born again and he went radically hard for the Lord. And so Paul said this in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. And the context here is, you know, you know, Paul is 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 been going place to place, ministering from house to house. He's testifying. And and even he's being told about bad things that are going to happen to him where he goes, and people are trying to prevent him from going to certain areas. And he says this in Acts 20, 24. He says, But none of these things nor do I count my life as dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to the gospel of the grace of God. But I want you to know, Paul says, none of these things move me. And for Paul, none of these things was a threat of jail, beatings, and death. None of that moved Paul, his mission to go forward. None of these things moved me, nor do I count my life as dear to myself. And that's why Paul was so effective. He, he didn't love himself. He loved the Lord. He died to himself. And I would say to you and I would say to myself, as we seek to have victory in the midst of chaos like these guys, I got to just don't love yourself. Die to yourself. Lay that down. Enter into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Sin's forgiven. I know I need the help and the work of the Holy Spirit so God gives them to us, that we might yield to the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, be strengthened by the Spirit. But I got to die to myself. Myself is one of my biggest problems. Myself, all the trouble I've gotten into my life, myself put me in bad situations. When I do what myself says do, I usually don't, I usually regret it afterwards. And so I won't give you any examples this morning, but everybody here that's listening, you know what I'm talking about. When you listen to that, that inner, that inner sinner, and he's like, man, just do it. Just, just do, just do the thing. You know, every time I've done that, I look back and I'm like, man, I shouldn't have done that. I should not have listened to that guy. And so back to Revelation 15, it says those who have the victory. And, and again, the, the way they received the victory, these people have believed in Jesus and they're walking with Jesus in the midst of extreme chaos, oppression, demonic and satanic attack against them, and the threat of death loomed over them. These people understood you'll die for this eventually. You're more than likely going to die. You've seen other believers die and your day is coming 
And so, but they continued with the Lord. And they have victory over the beast. And I just want you to know, one of the ways that we have victory over the beast is just we don't fear him. If you fear God, if you submit to God, if they feared the beast, if they were concerned with what he might do to them, maybe they would succumb. Maybe they would, they would bow the knee. Maybe they would go ahead and take the mark. But it says, nope, they have victory over the beast. They have victory over his image and over his mark. So they had that victory. That I, I want you to understand the intense temptation it would be to go and take this mark. You need to buy and sell. You can't participate in the, you know, the monetary process. And they, they have victory over, over the number of his name. And so God says these guys had total victory. And then it says the next word after that is that they were standing. Again, when I think of them standing, they're standing over this sea that's a mixture. It looks like something that's like glass mingled with fire. And it says that they're just standing, recognizing they're not in a defeated posture. The posture that they're in is one of victory. They're standing. You know, I, I, would, I would presume if the enemy was defeating you, you might be laid out. You might be knelt down. You might be, you know, put down, but they're standing there in the midst of all the chaos and all the things that the enemy is doing, standing on the sea of glass. Then it says, having harp, the harps of God. And I just think about that. Just in the midst of all they're going through, these guys got musical instruments. They're standing there victorious over the enemy while he's having his heyday, mind you, and they got instruments of worship. God's, somehow God's, God's let these guys have harps. And John just sees them standing. I want you to consider this because I, I think it is a word to us. One, and it's, I do believe this, because in a the moment, they just got instruments, but they're going to be singing songs in just a moment. And I, I, I think this is so important and so powerful for believers if we can learn from them. One thing that is unique, I believe it's unique to the church, it's ours. It's the nobody else can participate in it, is worship, true worship. Only those that really know God can interact with God, can speak to God, can worship God. That's ours. That's something that's unique to us, and it unites us, right? They're, they're all able to sing the same song. If I get with believers from Russia, India, Africa, America, China, wherever we come from, we all came the same way. We all entered in the same way. We all bowed the knee at the same place. We all came via the cross of Christ, and that's, that's the thing that unites us. And so when I consider the world in which we live, because we learned earlier that the people that are there from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, God is saving someone from everywhere. And, and they're absolutely unified in this. We've all come the same way. We all worship the same king and we all love the same Lord and we all have been washed in the same blood and we're all getting ready to go to the same heaven. And I would just say this, in a world that's so chaotic, like the one that we're living in right now, and there's so much division and there's all that, could it just not happen in the church? I understand the world behaving the way it behaves. I get it. It's the world. I, understand, I get it. I mean, it's the world. You know, we all, apart from Christ, there's no limit to the wickedness, the evil, the debauchery, the sin that we can do. And so I get it. That's the world. But the church, it's, it just should look different here, family. It should look different in the church of Jesus Christ. We should be able to come together. There should be love and compassion for one another. All types of different people should be able to come together and recognize who's better. Who's better than anybody at the foot of the cross? Nobody. Doesn't matter. Crack addict, businessman, foot of the cross. We need the same thing. I need the blood of Jesus. No one needs it more or less. Just the same. 
We all meet there. There's equality. That's something Greg Laurie used to say, that there's equality at the foot of the cross. Everybody needs what Jesus did just as much as the next person does. And so, but in worship as well as, as these guys stand in the victory that Christ has afforded them in the midst of satanic and demonic chaos, they stand here with harps in their hands. And then it says in verse three, they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, right? They got these two songs kind of mingled together. It's not two different songs, one song, but it's the song of Moses and it's the song of the Lamb. And if you were to take both errors, right, you look at Moses, and Moses was the one that God used to, to deliver, to bring them out of bondage, to bring them out of bondage in Egypt. He didn't quite get to bring them all the way into the promised land. And then the lamb, the lamb's the one that takes us all the way in. The lamb of God is the one who takes away the sins of the world and affords you and me opportunity to enter into the holy of holies, enter into a relationship with, with God via uh, through Jesus Christ and what he's done. And so this is a unique song. This is not a song that the world could sing. This is not a song anybody else in the tribulation period could sing. This is a song only they could sing. And I would just say this church, there's some songs, worship songs, only we can sing. And we ought to be singing them together in a time like this. Now, I want to consider this. Why, are they, why would they worship right now? Right? Hell is breaking loose. Things are going bananas. Death for them is on the way. It's certain. Satan is ruling and reigning. He's having his last little hoorah on the earth. But look at what the believers are doing. They're gathered together. They're not gathering because it's a good time for them. They're not gathered together because they're having a great time. And they're, they're, This isn't kumbaya. This is we trust Jesus. This is we're still victorious. Something that God has given, you can't take it from us, is that we have eternal life. Our sins are washed away in the blood of the Lamb, and you can't touch that. You can't put me in enough jails to take away the, what Jesus did for me. I can never be bound. I am absolutely free. And so they're just demonstrating. They're, they're demonstrating right in front of their captors, if you will, that they're free, that they're delivered. It's like when Paul and Silas were in the bottom of the jail and they worshiped. Think about what that had to say. They just were beaten. Then they were put in the bottom of the jail, the soggy, damp, wet, nasty part of the jail. And they said, man, let's just sing a few songs. And they got down there and they just start worshiping the Lord. There was something powerful about that. There was something supernatural about that. It was a witness to other prisoners. It was a witness to the one that, had, that was in charge of them, that, that jailed them, that put them there. It was a witness. And God mightily used it at that time. And I believe that on a day like today, with all that's going on, what churches should do, what believers should do, we, we ought to, to be speaking the, the word of God. We ought to be coming together and worshiping the Lamb. And I know we've been kept from that. You know, I don't want to say this. I, I, I had this thought. I got to be careful with the stuff that come out of my mouth because I, I can't always say everything I think because I think crazy stuff, you know. But I did have this thought. You know, I just looking at, I was looking at all the, the things last night and the burning and the chaos and the, all this stuff. And I just thought, I bet they won't close churches down again. You know, like this is, I, you know, make you wonder if like, man, we shut church down for a couple months and look at, look at what's happening. They better open up all the churches, you know, and, and then people need to worship. They need to, they need to get back to worship and sitting under the word of God. I hope that the folk out there ain't from your church. I know they're not from my church, but you know, but we know they need what we're doing here in the church. And so we need to worship. That's the song of the saints. And I do believe we need to come together. We need to speak these things. We need to sing these things. We need to celebrate the victory that we have. We need to show the world. The world can't, they don't have the answers. They're not going to have enough marches. They're not going to have, they'll never find the answers 
that are found only in Christ. And so it, I think it's imperative that the church, that we be the answer and that we demonstrate to the world, this is the answer. The book of Revelation lays out many things that will happen in the future. It can be unsettling to read about some of the things that are within the pages of this prophetic book. But God wants your heart to be at peace with what he'll bring to pass. Like in most stories, there's a great battle and then good overcomes evil. This is a great story of all time and we get to experience it with a loving but just God. So rather than disregarding this book as a bunch of strange imagery that seems non-cynical, be empowered reading this book, knowing that God's in control and that He will win. Keep looking to the Word of God for direction in all these things. If you're seeking some assistance with where and how to read the Bible, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you read on a daily basis. Look on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. Thank you for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through Revelation. But before we go, we'd like to ask you to prayerfully consider supporting this ministry in a financial way. Any amount is appreciated. These teachings are broadcast on the radio and help spread the good news of the gospel. That's a powerful thing. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryInglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry is a blessing to you. We look forward to you joining us next time on A Transforming Word.